It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin. On this episode, we get political. We talk about what the implications are of Huffington Post and BuzzFeed not taking money from the RNC. Ryan Kisner joins us. It starts now. It's the Everything is Marketing podcast. Marketers ruin everything. Welcome to the Everything is Marketing podcast. What I don't want to do is to pretend this is show number one. What would the hero of your life's movie do right now? Do that. Do those things. It is the Everything is Marketing podcast. My name is Eric Hulkerin. It is Friday morning, and uh, we have brought in our political correspondent having to do with the world of marketing and general sales of politics. Let's call it that. Sure. National political, marketing. national political branding. and marketing sales and branding human being Ryan Kisner uh, is here, and Ryan, you know, uh, we talked earlier. Let's call it two months ago, like when this thing was starting to get started, right? And sure. and what was what were the campaigns going to look like, and what are we going to see with Donald Trump getting two billion dollars in earned and shared media? How will that translate into? the actual campaigns as they both get nominated in the next 14 days. And then, of course, on Tuesday, the story breaks that BuzzFeed has said, hey, um, RNC, we're, uh, we're not going to take your money. We're good. No go. We're going we're gonna to go a different uh, route on this one. So I, I wanted to bring you in to kind of break that down and what that means for how this campaign is going to go Do, and then ask you a couple follow-up questions. So first, your thoughts on them saying we're not going to take your money. So uh, I've got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, which is good. That's why we brought you here. I'm going to take this from the angle of a brand association slash brand activation, right? So brand activation essentially is creating an ardent connection between your brand and your customers. Sure. And that happens two different ways. So if you're a brand, you want to be associated with quality content, quality programming, whatever it is. Same goes for media companies. They want to be associated with quality brands. So I'm a big Formula One fan. I don't, okay. Not many people in the states are. Well, um, and and that's you know not to do an aside, but that's mostly because like soccer, the things air at three in the morning, right? Like it's hard to yes. you know if you're watching open real race, open wheel racing, excuse me, instead of NASCAR. Like NASCAR's on in the middle of the day. Yep. Formula One is not so much. Like yeah. you got to be a huge fan to be a Formula One fan in the United States. It's true, or just DVR. E- either or, but I mean, <laughs> like, if you want to know what's happening as it's happening, you got to change your whole, almost yeah. your whole li- yeah. lifestyle to consume it. A little so, bit. the 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 point with the Formula One angle and how how it relates to politics and Trump and and BuzzFeed and Huffington Post is, you look at the the sponsors of Formula One. You got Rolex, Mercedes, Pirelli. So these are high end brands. There, there's no Walmart or McDonald's associated with it. And it, it, correct me if I'm wrong, there never has and never, probably likely never will be, right? Correct. And Formula One actually has the highest income. Uh, their fans have the highest income of any sport in the world. Um, and there's a reason for that, because they've created this brand this, for Formula One by you, associating with these other brands. This ardent connection, as you just said. So uh, the same goes with advertising and, and what these, these websites, BuzzFeed and, and Huffington Post and any website should be trying to do. If you go to a website and there's a pop-up or there's a spammy ad for something, your perception of that website probably is pretty low, right? Yeah. It drops instantly. Sure, yeah. The, the interesting thing here is these – I don't think that's the angle these websites and these, these news organizations are going. I don't think that's what they have in mind. I think it's more trying to 
um, control their 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 own interest and, and guide it. <laughs> so it's interesting. So do you think? And I'm putting you on the spot, not saying that you're you know you know everything that's happening at every other media company that we work at, but. Um, do you feel that that's going to be a trend that continues to happen? Do you, do you think other media companies are going to be like, okay, well, you've, you've chosen Trump, and we have decided that we are not going to take your money? Because if the answer is yes, my, my immediate follow-up question is, all of these media companies, TV stations, radio stations, newspaper companies, media companies, have been waiting for August for this, you know, the Olympic money yeah. and the, the political money. And if if there's if you're going to answer yes, it'll be interesting to see who's going to be there to sc- to scrape up all that cash. That same exact reason, I don't think it will continue. No, because money and money rules everything, right? Green is the color that everybody sees, especially these media companies. So it's interesting that BuzzFeed and Huffington Post have kind of taken that angle. I don't think every media company will, because in the end, it's all about lining their pockets and where do they find that money from? And do you you know? We spoke about this the first time that you were on, that you thought, and rightly so, that that the campaign was going to change and have to spend some money, especially since it appears, even right now, it appears that the the electoral college votes just are not adding up in his favor, and therefore, in a traditional political race, you dump money on that to try and fix it. Correct. So that's why, for that exact reason, I don't think that this trend continues because they have money to spend. They're going to be spending a ton of money. So if you want to, I guess, cut the hand that feeds you, if you will, so to speak, then have at it. But I don't think every media company can afford to do that so, in this political season. No, yeah, no doubt. So <laughs> we had a, um, an intercompany meeting this week that leads me to my next question. And one of the topics that that was that came up was political. And one of the things that we were talking about is um, is this idea that what are these two candidates going to do? Are they going to make the mistake of going straight with a TV buy, a traditional media buy, or will they go a different route and go the Obama route, where he, you know, email campaigns and Facebook campaigns and all that sort of thing? And so my question is twofold: one. Where do you think this money is going to land, in your opinion, at this point? And two, do you think the Republican National Com- uh, Committee and Donald Trump's camp's interaction with Huffington Post and BuzzFeed is going to chase them in the other direction, where leaving space for Hillary to go in the digital direction? So I know those are two questions. I'll let you answer them in order. So that's an interesting question. Um, I wish I knew the answer to that. I, I wish I knew how Trump and Hillary are going to approach this from a digital versus TV versus traditional media. Um, I think if they were smart, I think if Hillary were smart, she would capitalize on this and go to Huffington Post and BuzzFeed and try to capitalize on that audience because what's going to happen now is the people reading BuzzFeed and Huffington Post, if they weren't already, it's going to skew a little more liberal, a little more to the left. Um, And the the Republicans and the conservatives are going to stop reading them because they've made this stance. Sure. So those are the people that Hillary needs to get out and get the vote with. So associating herself with with media companies and and websites like that um, where she knows that's her audience. Uh, I think Trump's audience is a little more still conservative, a little bit older, more traditional. So maybe TV is the way he's going to go. And I don't think that TV can afford to really reject his money and i don't think they're going to i just think it would be an interesting it will be an interesting campaign if that comes to fruition right if you have if hillary you know in in 
if you and I were writing the campaign in an ideal sense, if Hillary's going to BuzzFeed and going, hey, guys, I don't want to buy ads. Mm-hmm. I want to buy seven-minute listicle videos where I'm reading, you know, top eight cats that look like president. Like, what, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to let, let's just we're going to buy that campaign. I'm going to make all these viral videos. I'm going to do one in a Chewbacca mask. I'm gonna, you know, like, <laughs> it would be Chewbacca really. Chewbacca mask had to come up. Of it? course it did. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it's marketing. We have to talk about the marketing yep. thing, right? It's true. So if she does that and he buys traditional ads and she lets the super PACs do the anti, you know what I mean? Because Ryan Kisner will run an ad and then my super PAC will run an ad to tell you that Ryan Kisner is full of it, right? Like let those guys do that whole thing and she goes a completely different route. I think that would be a really interesting campaign to see how the two converge, especially, as we said, from an electoral scientific perspective, Donald Trump has an uphill climb if he wants to be the president of the United States. And it would be interesting to see if, like you said, if she goes, did you know, a mix of all of them, which is probably the ideal scenario. And he goes just traditional. If he misses what that will set the tone for 2020 and beyond. Here's the, the thing that I say, let me, let me start over. The thing we're missing and we forget is both these candidates have a ton of money. So I don't think they have to be as strategic and targeted <laughs> with their with their campaigns. I think they need to get their ads on as many different places as possible. They need to reach as much of the key um, voters as possible. And whatever that means for them, that's for them to decide. And I think you can't do it without diversifying your mix. So you're going to have to have TV, digital, uh, radio. You're going to have to utilize all those mediums if you want to reach 100% of the core voters that you're looking to reach. Um, I don't think you can heavy up in one medium or the other. It's, so it's, it's, it's an even distribution, but I think we forget that I don't think money is an issue for either one of them. And I don't think it is either. <laughs> you know, it's interesting, though, that, that you make the corollary that if you have so much money, you don't know what to do with it, that you throw strategy out the window and just everything is a shotgun approach, yep. right? Like, we're yep. just gonna, I'm going to put everything everywhere and see what happens. Um, I just think from, a, from an anecdotal standpoint... If the RNC and Trump have a bit of a bitter taste in their mouth about digital or specifically what we call in marketing and advertising content or sponsored content, right? If they run away from that and kind of leave this hole for her to do stuff with Jimmy Kimmel, stuff with BuzzFeed, stuff with, you know, stuff with whomever where she's making viral videos that are going to do the work for her, you know, regardless of the money that she has, it's always nice to have this organic fire burning over here that's doing some work for, you know, paying you dividends while you're not working for it, you know? Um, And that's not to say that the Trump campaign can't do that. I would just, it would be interesting to talk to them and go, hey, did this experience with HuffPo and BuzzFeed make you go, nah, we're not going to do that. We're going to do something where we can have adult conversations about adult media buys with adults that will take our money. Yeah. Um, I think that would be an interesting discussion to have with them yeah i don't know that i'll ever have the chance to have that discussion <laughs> but I think, work on that. I think well i just think it would be really interesting to say okay this happened these two said no to your money how did that change your understanding or perception of what digital can do for your campaign yeah and here's here's the thing that it, we're also um the other angle that we're also forgetting is trump has an uphill climb uh, for a couple reasons you know people like huffpo and um buzzfeed are re- refusing his money but also He's got endorsements that he's losing. So was, um, was it running for mayor or something in, in Illinois that um, rescinded his endorsement of Trump. He's got these local races and these local candidates that are um, 
refusing to be associated with them where hillary on the other end of the spectrum has the opposite she's got these these local candidates in in states across the country that are saying we're anti-trump so they've actually come out and, and, and combined forces to come out with a pummel trump approach where not only hillary going after trump but these local candidates as well saying hey you know what i'm anti-trump and it's it's really working against him so i think he's got an uphill climb and uh it's going to be interesting to see how his team uh, approaches that strategy. Yeah, because the other part of this, which isn't necessarily marketing, but we're both parents, so I, I want to get your perception on this before we kind of wrap up on a Friday because I, I kind of like to do shows on a Friday that are a little bit looser in the marketing sense But because I, I, I think that this is something that is also not being talked about is, okay, so he's losing endorsements, which given his personality is going to make him angrier. <laughs> right. And so he's going to put out ads that are more divisive and more insightful and, and angrier in sure. tone. And the Democratic Party will respond in kind because that's what they do. I struggle at this point. Now, my daughter's only four. Your son is five. five. You know, like I struggle at this point. We're not having conversations about voting. Right. Right. But nope. I, I struggle at this point to be like, OK. When you're in mixed company and everyone's having a good time and there's an argument, here's here's the proper way to solve it, right? We talk it down and we you know we come to an agreement and then we go our separate ways, right? Yeah. We, we don't immediately go to fisticuffs or <laughs> anything, right? Meanwhile, the two people that are running for the highest office in the land go immediately to fisticuffs. And it's this interesting dichotomy of how do you explain to your kids, and not necessarily our kids, they're still a little young, sure. but... If you've got a 16, a 17, or an 18-year-old or somebody turning 18 that's thinking about voting and goes, what is this and why do you guys care so much about this? This is, in, this is like the Kardashians for the White House, <laughs> right? Like Because it's just this weird reality show TV argument. Have you had that experience? You know, Is that something that you think about or wonder what will happen in 2020 and 2024 and 2028? I, as a, as a, the country as a whole, yes. Um, my son in particular has actually made me a better person. He tells me what we do and don't do already, and he's only five. <laughs> so I'm not worried about him in particular. <laughs> so maybe I need to worry for myself because I'm the one watching this stuff, and maybe sure. that's part of it. Um, we're, we're witnessing this stuff. Um, and you mentioned reality TV. Let's not forget about Trump's reality TV sure. show at one point. That's Which focused really was, around firing people, right? Yeah. Like that was the whole point of the show is to fire people. Yeah, we'd be, we'd be remiss to not mention his reality TV show. And I think that's what the Democrats are saying is running for president is not reality TV. But at the same time, I think we're all glued to the television in the same way because you mentioned the Kardashians and it is like the Kardashians. Well, and I would, I would say in an effort to um, keep this as neutral as possible, I would say I would disagree with that argument that it's not reality TV. I think he has proven that you can get attention in a non-traditional way and get to the the finish line right now the job for him is not done at this point sure. well i but, didn't mean him in particular i meant just the the presidential race yeah, yeah but this reality tv <laughs> my point being like i think he's kind of paved the way for other people to understand that if you want to get to the end of the of the race and we've talked about it on this program we've talked about it when you and i would talk about it is that the middle is the dead zone yeah. If you're down the middle conservative, down the middle Democrat, you are going to lose with 100% certainty. It's, you've got to pick an extreme and then plant your flag in said extreme and then, and then continue the race. And so I, you know, I, would, I would differ with that summation that running for office isn't like being in reality TV because both of them are doing just that. Like yeah. if they weren't running for president, E would run this as a show. 
right? Yeah. yeah. Well, it was, there was a reality show on HBO um, during the primaries, and it was behind the scenes of this stuff, and it was fascinating. And they did the same thing with, with the Romney campaign. If you haven't yeah. seen the Mitt documentary, it's a great look at kind of the insanity that led up to that thing. Yeah. And, and I really thought um, painted him in a much different light than traditional media did through that whole campaign. Yeah. They did that with the Obama campaign, if you want to watch it. So there's lots of great documentaries if you want to search it out and see the nuanced, horrific reason that, like, really <laughs> successful, you know, highly intelligent human beings aren't flocking to run for this office, right? And, yep. and we're sitting in a, a really monumental race in a number of reasons, right? Number one, and you and I have talked about this, number one, if they go to the polls, the millennials will be the highest segment of the population that can vote this year. Number two, to run our country. you know, number two, it could be the first time that we have a female president, which is a huge deal. Number three, um, you're dealing with an election for the first time in American history where both candidates have a plus 50 negative rating. <laughs> like we're right? literally as a country going to pick the person we hate the least. And from a marketing perspective and why you and I are going to talk a lot between now and November, from a marketing perspective, I'm fascinated. Like, if you start the conversation from hate, like, I hate you. All right, well, what kind of ads am I running to get you to not, to hate me less? Like, you're never going to like me. How do I get you to hate me yep. less? Yep. I mean, because that's what this whole campaign is going to be on both sides. Yep. How do I get you to hate me just a little less? Aren't you looking forward to the next few months in marketing world? <laughs> I'm certainly looking forward to that. And then um, looking forward to August to see what insanity you have when you layer the Olympics on top of that and the amount of um, bandwidth that the Olympics are going to take up. So all of the stuff that the candidates, Trump's not so much the Republican uh, committee is, but Trump is not doing much on Snapchat. The Republican as a party is. Uh, Hillary's doing it. Bernie's doing it right now. Bernie will clearly go away and it will just be Hillary. But when you now layer on top the uh, partnership that, the Olympics and Snapchat have for exclusive content, it takes away a lot of the oxygen. And especially if you haven't seen the update to Snapchat, the way in which Discover works, it's going to start curating the things that you like. So you might not even encounter the political stuff if you're not consuming political stuff on Snapchat, yep. which most people are not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so that all that stuff will be interesting. Ryan, if people want to talk to you about political advertising and, and how to do that stuff and how to get in contact with MLive and that sort of thing, what's the best way to find you? Well, I think if they're listening to this podcast, they're already on MLiveMediaGroup.com. Go to the website, check out our political capabilities, and then send me a note there. There's contact information. Fill out a form. Easy peasy. All right, before I let you go, one last question on that. The amount of data that consumers are leaving behind that are making this digital advertising for political um, as interesting as it is right now. I mean, you've been in this for months and months and months and seeing how, how, how crazy it can be. Um, it's just, just beginning. Right. Like, <laughs> do you have any sense of what this is going to look like in 18 months and 24 months and in, in four years, you know, when we do this all over again, because it's not a, even, and I know this is a getting, getting a little bit in the weeds, but I like this sort of thing. Like, <laughs> Even in a post-Edward Snowden era, right, we, we're not seeing consumers in mass go, I'm not going to use my phone anymore. I'm not going to, yeah. like, there were all those people that weren't going to use Facebook Messenger, and now it's down to, like, 2% of Facebook users are not using Facebook Messenger. So we're just pouring reams and reams and reams of data into this ecosystem. And four years from now, any sense of what that might look like? 
Um, I'm extremely excited. I have no idea. <laughs> if I knew that, I wouldn't be sitting here. I'd probably be sitting on a pile of cash somewhere. You'd be but printing your own money right now. Interesting. I was listening to uh, Headline News, Robin Mead, and she made a point this morning that Obama released his um, uh, endorsement of Senator Clinton um, via a digital video online. Not through traditional press, not through traditional media, and that was the first time that it happened, but that's the day and age we live in. So that's going to continue where the first source that these candidates go to is, is online and releasing videos online. So And in virtual reality, right? Like that's where it'll be next. It's going to be just, fascinating. Just pop up in this room. Right. The Obama sitting next to us. 3D. I mean, that's, that's, that's a thing. It's going to have uh -huh. holograms. Have you, have you seen, and this is a total aside, and I promise I'll put it in the show notes. Have you seen The Void yet? I have not. So The Void is this, and I'll put it in the show notes, it's the very first um, virtual reality experience company. So they're already doing these things where they put you in haptic suits and put virtual reality on. Oh. And um, it's like $30 for 30 minutes, and they're doing something with the Ghostbusters movie, and they're doing all this cool stuff. But what's really interesting, and I think you'll nerd out about, is they figured out how to bend space and time. So they figured out a way in real space for you to walk one foot and for it to feel like a mile so they're able to bend you your kidding? mind in this way so that you stay in like w you and i are sitting at a it's probably a three foot by three foot round table like we could stay in this area and feel like we walked from now from here to nevada that's insane we are in the world of marty mcfly and doc uh right or now. the matrix one of the two pick, <laughs> pick your thing ryan as always a pleasure my friend thanks for having me eric